Welcome to the Jeff Caven Show, where we talk about the Bible, discipleship, and evangelization, putting it all together and living as activated disciples. This is show 364, Seek 24, with Mike Gomer Gormley, part one. Welcome to the show. You know, we have been talking about Seek 24 for a couple of weeks now, and just a great, great experience for 24,000 people who came together in St. Louis, focused on focus missionaries, really, in their formation. And uh, Ascension Press had a magnificent booth there. And uh, oftentimes when you'd walk by, you would see Gomer there, Mike Gormley, and answering people's questions. And we snagged him, brought him into the uh, the podcast area of the conference and had a marvelous discussion. And so today is the first of two podcasts where we're talking to Mike Gormley. And uh, we're going to be talking about a number of different topics that perhaps you've never heard him talk about before. Little a warning it's a big room. It's loud at times. We're talking with excitement over the crowd. And uh, just picture yourself in a great big room of everything Catholic in the room. And we're talking about the good things that God is doing in his life. So I give you Mike Gomer Gormley, part one. Welcome to the special episode of this podcast recorded live at the Spoke Street Media Booth during Seek 24 in St. Louis. My name is John Michael Lucido, and to find more shows recorded at Seek, search for the Seek Podcast in your favorite podcast app. Enjoy. I want to welcome everybody. How are you doing? We're going to start a, a show, Jeff Caven show on Ascension Presents, and I'm going to be talking to Mike Gormley. So, right here, better known as Gomer. Hey. Welcome, Gomer. So good to be here with y'all. So good to be here. Wake up. I'm here. Let's do this. <laughs> All right. I want to welcome you to the Jeff Caven Show on Ascension Presents. We are at Seek 24 in St. Louis, and we have somewhere under 1 million people present yeah. in yeah. the crowd right now. Yeah, and I gave them all free stickers over at the Ascension Press booth. It's yeah, beautiful. Yeah. It's beautiful. So I want to welcome you to the show. Yeah, thank you. You, Good and, to I, be here. you and I have been friends, and uh, I want to talk about a number of different things while we're here. We have such a, a beautiful audience that's joining us here today. Very and attractive. These I are very attractive I want to talk about some of the issues that are facing okay. young adults today uh, in the world. And, of course, you know, you know uh, Mike, from Catching Foxes. How many of you have listened to Catching Foxes? Dozens in the entire arena. Somewhere under a million. Yes, yeah. that's okay. good. And also, every knee shall bow. You heard that? Yeah, very, very yeah, good. yeah. Well, I want to talk to you, uh, Mike, about some of the issues that these young people here at Seek24 are facing in their life. And uh, But before I get to that first one, which is identity and what people are going through, what are you up to lately? Yeah, so uh, I just left um, parish ministry after 17 years of doing youth ministry, young adult ministry, campus ministry, and um, adult faith formation. I just left it after 17 years. So that was hard. Uh, but now I work for That Man Is You. Paradisus Day is the main organization, but I travel around the country giving talks, doing parish missions and stuff like that full time. And I do the podcast thing. Sure. So, yeah, that's what Fantastic. I'm doing. Fantastic. Yeah. So you get to meet a lot of young people when yeah. you're traveling around the world. 
And if you turn on the news these days, you're going to hear about identity and people uh, trying to, I, I guess I would call it branding themselves. It's, mm. uh, and it's uh, determining who they are, uh, what their purpose is and so forth. What are you hearing in the world right now about this? How do you see it? Yeah, so that's interesting. I, I think the biggest thing that I'm seeing culturally across the board is we often, people struggle with not having a sense of themselves. And when you're at this age, the big thing is like, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? What do I want my life's purpose to mean? There's that purpose stuff. But then even deeper than it, there comes this, um, this element of, well, I'm still trying to figure out who I am. And uh, so I do, all, I also do prison ministry, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But um, one of the big things in prison ministry is these are a group of men who were almost entirely not raised by parents, right? So single parent families where the moms were more or less either working a bunch of jobs or just absent. And so for me, my big thing with these men is they don't know who they are. So they joined gangs. They didn't have fathers. So they joined gang to have brothers and they gave them an identity, but it's one that just chewed them up. And so a big thing that I see, and, and it's kind of fascinating, is bringing people into a relationship with Christ gives them a non-performative identity. Uh -huh. Meaning, and I think this is what like a lot of the crisis morally in our culture, is people are looking for an identity that I can receive, that, that is like adherent to who I am without having to earn it. Like I'm an athlete, well you gotta earn it, you tear your ACL, who are you now, right? That kind of thing. Um, and I've had friends that have been plunged into despair because they were college athletes who had a serious injury that they can no longer play or, or they lost the scholarship for academic reasons and now all of a sudden they, they don't know who they are, right? So there's this element where it's like they're pushing back on that kind of American productive, you are what you produce kind of performative identity, but they're getting lost in things that are non-essential, right? These, these externals and they, they so easily grab hold of these things and say, you tell me who I am. Sometimes it's people, it's relationships, it's dating. And that puts people in a relationship crisis because you put your identity in the hands of a human. Have you met people? They're the worst. <laughs> so you do that. And then all of a sudden they break up with you or you have a thing. And then, and then uh, yeah. So this identity thing is so, um, it's kind of in the, it's like the, uh, the background wallpaper of, of, of the room yeah. that everyone's in, you know? One of the things that I've noticed about the whole identity issue is that people like, the wonderful people here at Seek24, when it comes to engaging other people, there is almost a fear of talking because you don't know exactly how you should proceed. Now, when I was growing up, you just come up to someone and say, hey, let's talk or whatever. But now there's this protocol almost. And I shared this in my talk here at Seek24 that when I got into an Uber, and I talked to this guy for 10 minutes in the car about the Lord and what I was doing. At the end, I said, hey, I said, I'll remember you in prayer. And he said, I would appreciate it if you would ask for permission. <laughs> I've never heard that before. I said, I thought I heard it wrong. So I said, excuse me. And he said, I would prefer that you ask for permission to pray for me. And I said, okay. Uh, will you grant me permission to pray for you? And he said, yes, but thank you for asking. And I thought, <laughs> just, just a protocol to, 
It's like, we're going to set the rules here before we engage. Man, that is that is intense. That's an intense level. I feel like this is also the weirdness of capitalism. Sometimes everything <laughs> in our life becomes commodified. You know what it's like? Uh, you want to interact with me? Okay, let's set up a contract. We're going to have these negotiable positions. But this is, it, it is funny. It's like the, in a weird way, it's like the consent culture for everything, you know? Mm -hmm. Do you think that people are so afraid to talk to other people because of these so-called ground rules and so forth that they, they just avoid it? They just avoid talking to people. And if they do, what's your advice to people who want to talk, but they don't want to walk in fear? <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, okay, I'll say this, number one. So I'm an extrovert. Are you an extrovert? Raise your hand if you're an extrovert. Raise your hand, but only halfway if you're an introvert. Yeah, some <laughs> of you didn't even want to do that. It's fine. It's fine. I'm judging you. Um, yeah, like I am an extrovert, so I always think it's my priority to, to start the conversation because I know a lot of people aren't. And if they're in my zone, that's like yeah. my job. That's my gift to them sometimes. Sometimes it's the worst thing that could possibly fall on an introvert. But the, I, I don't know what exactly it is. I think also the idea of, I mean, isn't it so much easier to communicate via text, right? Like just to be like, hey, what are you doing? What's up? What's going on? Blah, blah, blah. That you already established the ice breaking via text that you don't have to do it in person first. Right, right. And then when you do it in person, you're like already in the middle of a conversation. Yeah. But to start one raw, that's a little, that's, that's a bit much. So my thing is. Uh, you said, what would you say? How do I do it without walking in fear? Yeah. I would say walk in fear, but be courageous and let the courage outrank the fear. Like you just have to do it. And so by doing it, uh, it, it becomes so much better. And here's my pro tip. Uh, whoever you're talking to, if you're uncomfortable having conversations, with, especially with people you just meet, uh, just talk about them and have them talk about them. People can do that for days, <laughs> especially me. Well, you know, and John says in uh, First John, he says, Perfect love casts out fear. And when you walk in love and you, you really love that person, forget about yourself and love them, a courage comes, uh, comes at, that, at that point. It really does. I, wanted, I want to move into something that uh, we talked about earlier a little bit, and we've talked about it many times in our life, and that is witnessing, sharing the faith with, yeah. with others. How many of you struggle at times in sharing your faith? You struggle a little bit, quite a just few. Just Mariah, just Mariah. Okay. okay. <laughs> I think more people struggle with sharing the faith. The most important thing in your life, the thing that you would die for. How many of you would die for Jesus if, if it really came down to it? Now, this is interesting because for those of you that are listening to the show, somewhere under a million hands went up. I won't use that anymore. Okay. But <laughs> that's the third time. <laughs> all, a lot of hands went up. But then if you talk about, well, do you struggle in sharing him? A lot of hands remain. And so I want to talk about that. How do we start conversations? How do we witness to other people? How do we do it without standing like we're on the street corner preaching, you know, at people? It's just everyday life. Yeah. Yeah. So my big thing is uh, if I don't know a person at all, I always scale back uh, any expectation of what I can tell them in terms of for them how to live their life, right? Because sometimes what we do as Catholics is we want to micromanage other people's sin level, right? We're like, oh, you know, you shouldn't be doing that. And it's like, nice. Yeah, you're no better than a vegan telling me I shouldn't eat meat. It's fine that you do that, but I am going to choke you. But uh, no, so the, the thing is, when what is appropriate at that level? If I'm talking to a stranger, 
um, in my head, I'm just looking for cues that make sense organically. And usually those cues, and, and I and not to not to dote on you too much, but it actually was from a conversation we had on Every Knee Shall Bow, where it was like, I'm listening for things to say, how can I pray for you for? Yeah. Um, the other thing that I do, uh, I, I've been taking Ubers every day to and from here. My, my in-laws live in uh, Chesterfield, so it's about a 45-minute drive. So every day and every morning and every night, I'm with another Uber driver. And uh, I always, the, the idea is to lead with prayer. So in my head, I am praying. I just pull out my rosary, pray the rosary. And then I ask for the Lord to make an opening, right? Uh, because I want to be able to, the, I want the Holy Spirit to be a little out in front of me, yeah. at least an inch or so. What about you? Yeah, well, for me, in sharing the faith with people, one of the one of the holes out there that I have noticed as I've traveled the country and you know doing the things that I do is that people want to share Christ with others, but they don't know when it finally gets down to the message of the gospel and sharing that at Starbucks with somebody that you're talking with. The question is, what is the gospel? What is the good news? Because I can tell you that the that the New Testament tells us that the Holy Spirit confirms the message. Mm. And the question is, what's the message? What are we sharing with people? And I can outline that very, very quickly for you. And then uh, uh, Mike, comment on that, please. The, the good news of Jesus Christ is called the kerygma. The kerygma. Everybody say kerygma. Kerygma. Right. The kerygma is number one, God loves you and has an amazing plan for your life. Number two, sin has broken this plan. It's broke, sin. Number three, the good news is Jesus Christ has come to die for your sin. Number four, he asks us to repent. Now, how many of you have a hard time saying to someone you need to repent? I do too. I don't use it. I use what the catechism says. The catechism says, that repentance is a radical reorientation of your life to God. How many of you could say that? Radical reorientation of your life to God. And then after that, number five, you are, you are baptized and receive the Holy Spirit. Number six, you join this amazing family, the church. Number seven, you go out and make disciples full circle. That's the gospel. And if you can remember that and weave it into a conversation with other people in a natural way, you don't have to tap someone at Starbucks on the shoulder and say, hey, God has a plan for you. Uh, and uh, the plan got all screwed up because of you. You know, you just, <laughs> what did you do to God's plan? It was so precious and you ruined it. Yeah. <laughs> So do you, do you try to weave in the truth into a conversation? The, the way I view it in my head, like conceptually, is uh, I am very, very good at making a hell out of my own life. And when I talk about bringing people into the church or bringing the gospel to someone, I don't think of it as I'm trying to recruit them from my club at all. And I think that's part of like the hindrance that some of us have is like, I'm trying to sell them on a thing I don't think of it that way. It's for me, it's it's a radiation of blessing, right? So my mindset is always in this thing of like, they want to hear the gospel because they want to get out of the hells that they've created. So usually, and, and this is different for me, I'm like chocolate. People only interact with me when they're depressed in order to feel better. So uh, whenever I, when I, that's weird, I apologize. Um, but whenever, <laughs> 
But whenever I, so when I'm working with people, like I have a magnet. I don't know if you're like this. They're just people who are in a really broken spot tend to be drawn to me, right? So uh, total strangers would be like, oh my gosh, I'm going through a divorce. I don't know what to do. And you're like, hi, fellow passenger on the shuttle to the airport. Let's talk, you know? So what I always try to do is to bring Christ into those hells, right? And so I, uh, the script is always run in the back of my head of repentance and all this stuff. Um, but, but in the end, it's like, I am radiating the blessing of the father to these people. So I never feel combative. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there's not that hesitant. It, it, to me, it takes away the hesitancy. And just today in the Ascension app, uh, this is not a plug for the Ascension app, but in the Ascension app, the daily Bible, um, thing, uh, Lily was saying how, uh, how like to withhold the gospel from someone is to deny the saint that they could be. Yeah. And she's like, why would I want to do that to someone? I want to give them sanctity. I want them to be friends with Christ. Yeah. yeah. It, it's interesting that the military, the military in the United States, they advertise to join them and become all that you can be, you know, in the military. And uh, we, we should be able to say that in the church to people. Hey, become all that you can be. Uh, come to, uh, come to, to Jesus. You mentioned something, and I want to take a reading out here real quick. You mentioned the app, the Ascension app. Yeah. How many of you have the Ascension app? It's free, baby. It's, it's, free. it's free. It's so nice. It's free. How many of you do? That's very good. For those of you that don't, allow me to introduce you to what I think is the first time in, in history where electronically the Bible meets the catechism in a seamless way. And it's, it's free. And you can get the, the Ascension app by going to ascensionpress.com forward slash app, I believe. And Dang. you can get it free. Guess what it does? It has the entire Great Adventure Bible color-coded and tells you how to read the Bible as a story, the Great Adventure. And it has the catechism and they are linked to each other. Isn't that cool? And we have also a thousand and more, over a thousand different videos and recordings in the text to answer your questions. And it's all free. Anyway, I wanted to say something about that because I've never known this to ever happen before. Yeah, the re this is what I say. If you want to come see me over at the Ascension Press booth, this is what I've been telling everyone. The Catechism is available for free on the Vatican's website, which was designed by a toddler in 1994 and has not been updated since. And it doesn't have good search. There's a church called St. Charles Borromeo that built a search engine for the catechism. But none of that is as classy as the Ascension Press catechism. You get for free on your phone. Boom. Sales pitch done. Also, you get Father Mike Schmitz and you and the Bible in a Year app. Yeah. That's pretty nice. How many, have got, how many of you have uh, been through Bible in a Year? More how many of you started Bible in a Year? <laughs> <laughs> No one, no one made it out of the early world. <laughs> Stuck with Noah. <laughs> yeah, I remember when we put together Bible in a Year. Uh, Father Mike was doing the dailies, and then I would come in as a trail guide and show you, you know, how to read the Bible, and so you don't get lost. We had a lot of fun with it, and I still remember. Now, get this: this was during COVID. Yeah. During COVID, we launched in 2021 the Bible in a Year. I had finished recording a month or so earlier. I forgot about it. I did not remember January 1st when it was launched. And one of our producers called me and said, are you sitting down? And I said, yeah, why? And she said, you're number one in the country. 
And I said, number one, what? And she said, the podcast. And I, I, I said, the Jeff Caven show? <laughs> Jokingly. And she said, no, Bible in a year. I said, you've got to be kidding. And so did Father Mike. We went to Apple and looked and there it was. And I thought, no, two guys from Minnesota reading the Bible is number one in the country at that point for almost all of January. And it's just reading the Bible. Now, here's what I think was happening. And I'd like to get your take on it. Yeah, yeah. Is that the country was experiencing COVID. People were losing their trust in politicians, their trust in Hollywood, their trust in healthcare, and they needed something to build their life on. And what happened? The Bible became accessible and people from all over the world came on board and started reading it. I think we know it was the Holy Spirit moving people to that. It was extraordinary. Yeah, it really was. No, but it, that there was a perfect moment because in 2000 and uh, or in on January 1st, New Year's resolution, all this stuff, and a lack of spiritual grounding and a lack of foundation being kind of ripped out from us. Uh, it was the perfect timing. I remember when we came together, you know, and thought we're going to put this show on. And they said, Jeff, they say, here's how it's going to be. Jeff, with your looks and father's cleverness, this is going to be good. This is going to be great. Dynamite. Dynamite. <laughs> Okay, tell me a little bit shift here. What are a couple of hot topics right now that, that these lovely people would be interested in? What are a couple of hot topics that you are encountering? Well, okay, well, okay. <laughs> the biggest thing that I'm encountering right now when I travel and do young adult ministry, so obviously we have gender issues, gender and sexuality. People are looking for the Catholic Church uh, somewhere between my uncle tells me we have to hate ev all these people and he's the only devout Catholic I know to, you know, I look online and, you know, uh, you know, every, the Pope just changed everything and now it's totes cool. And there, people are just trying to understand what is our actions, attitudes, thinking, behavior around these things. And then uh, the other random thing that I get, I don't think it's all that random, it's a little zeitgeisty, but is AI and religion. I have been getting a ton of crazy questions about AI, religion. I mean, morality questions are always popping, but uh, AI and religion and where do we see our faith and is it, you know, all, all the stuff that has to do with it. Which, what do you think about AI, artificial intelligence? Yeah, no, I would say uh, I, I greet our new electronic overlords with a warm smile. Uh, no, I use chat GPT all the time. I use it all the time. Anyone use ChatGPT all the time to write their papers in college? <laughs> all the hands went down. Don't tell your professors. Um, no, uh, I, I'm, I'm very scared. The thing that makes me scared is, as human beings, we are outsourcing our agency. More and more and more. And we're not learning how, like, when, when my kid was, when my oldest was a, babe, a toddler, we had this little VTech thing. It had, like, a fake keyboard. It had little plastic key. It had all this stuff. And what that did was it gives kids a feeling of agency. Like I push this button that looks like a piano key and piano music sounds. But the problem with that is it's not. It's, a, it's, a, it's software that's playing a script that's running a song. So she feels like she's doing something in the world and she kind of really isn't. And then when you see iPad kids, kids raised on the iPad, they, they become so absorbed in it. And this is not old man yelling at clouds. I love technology, but... Uh, you see the agency is bound to a screen, that it's not something that's out in the world, it's, and it's increasingly becoming inside my own head. 
So for me, AI, my biggest fear is, is not, well, one is how the government's going to use it to do surveillance and track us all all the time, always. But other than that is also how it's chipping away at the sovereignty over ourselves. Right, right. What about you? What do you think? Well, I th at first, you know, I thought it was pretty interesting. You can go and ask a question and all of a sudden, boom, something is created. And I experimented. My wife is a biblical archaeologist. That's my on wife, brand. My, she works over in Israel and Jordan and Egypt, and she does archaeology. She's Indiana Cavins for her handle. Nice. nice. And um, she's an archaeologist. So I went to chat GPT and I said, write a song for archaeologists with love. And it just spit it out. And I looked at it. I thought, wow. <laughs> and I said to my wife when she came home, I said, I got a poem for you. Nice. And, nice. I, and I, I handed it to her. I didn't tell her. It was, it was uh, not me. And she read it and she started to cry. It so touched her heart. And she said, that's the most beautiful thing I've ever heard about archaeology. And I said, well, <laughs> thank you. Yes. But um, that she doesn't work. listen to the show, does she? <laughs> <laughs> baby, baby, it's sweet. But My he, favorite AI. Oh, sorry. It's, it touched, yeah. it touched her, her heart. Yeah. And that's the part that makes me wonder a little bit. Yeah. Is that there's. There is a protocol out there that is designed to, if I wanted to, to reach inside of you. Yeah, that sounds terrifying on so many levels. Uh, but no, the, uh, the, my favorite AI story is I had a friend who was going through some marital issues and he lost his job. So he, he was getting a divorce, he lost his job. And I said, have you, have you told her yet? And he said, no. And I was on ChatGPT and I said, write a letter to, he said, I, I don't even have the words. I said, write a letter to my ex-wife explaining how we need to talk about finances because I just lost my job. Three seconds, boom. And then I said, write a funny letter. And it rewrote, it's like, greetings from the land of penny pinching. And it was the dumbest thing I've ever seen. And then I said, write a sarcastic letter. And then it said, in a paragraph, it said, it is inappropriate to talk about financial matters with a co-parent and a former spouse in a sarcastic and cruel undertones. I am not allowed to write this uh, and like, this is inappropriate for, for this subject matter. Wow. And I, and I literally went, I'm sorry. And I typed that <laughs> in and then I wrote, rewrite it in Victorian English. And then it's like, hello. You're right, like, hey there, Nyan. Yeah. So it was, it was funny. It was like a, there's this element of surrealness. Yeah. Wow. And then I had to write me a Christian contemporary music album and I did it real quick. What a beautiful time we had at Seek 24. We're glad that we could share a little bit of, of it with you. And uh, we're going to close out in prayer. Next week, we'll continue on with the same conversation, but pick it up where we left off. And we have a lot more to talk to you about. And we think you're going to really enjoy that. So uh, join with me in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord Jesus, thank you so much, Lord, for Mike. And uh, I thank you, Lord, for the, the call on his life. And I pray that through the things that we talked about, perhaps people would be sparked in their heart to something you're calling them to a reminder of how to live out the faith. And so we lift up everybody who has been listening to this show and ask, Lord, that you would reveal yourself to them in such a beautiful way and lead and guide them. In Jesus' name, amen. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. We'll talk to you next week. 